everybody, the Complex PTSD Guy here. I'll start out by saying I'm not a doctor or psychiatrist. I'm just a guy living with complex PTSD and I'm sharing my own ideas, opinions, and experiences on this podcast. Tonight I wanted to talk about a couple of situations that I've thought about for about two or three years. So one happened in June of 2018 and one happened in September or October of 2019. And these two situations that happened, um, I'm just going to say they were spiritual in in nature in what happened. They're also kind of unexplainable. Um, And I'm just going to go out on a limb and say what happened um, were like divine intervention. Um, I, I don't really know how else to say that without kind of sounding, I feel like that sounds a little wacky. Um... But at the same time, you know, maybe they were. Um, And I've talked to other people in the past who are religious or spiritual, and they say that this is, you know, a a great thing, what had happened. Um, To me, you know, it's so vastly coincidental that I just don't see how it could be anything else. Um, One related to... A preacher, the preacher that I had written my senior capstone paper about. Um, I spent a year and a half writing that paper, and it was on a preacher named Barton Stone. And long story short, um, I was at like the lowest, worst time of my life, and I was driving back from North Carolina to Illinois. And strangely, um, my route was rerouted. So whenever I was coming back from North Carolina, I normally go through Asheville. And then I saw on the news that there was a possible mudslide or there was going to be a mudslide. And this was like June of 2018. And um, so I had to go a different route. So I had to like reroute myself. And I was thinking, oh, man, you know, which way am I going to go? Because I'm not good with directions. And. Um, I was driving back, and I went up through Virginia and West Virginia, and then I went into eastern Kentucky. And once I got into eastern Kentucky, after a while, my GPS said, car accidents ahead, hour delay, accidents on the interstate, two-hour delay. And I was thinking, well, I don't want to get stuck on the interstate. So I, I basically immediately took the next exit after that GPS popped up and did that. And what happened was I... I took the exit, I really didn't even look at what it was, and I just figured, you know, I'd find a hotel, come back on the interstate the next day, because I didn't want to deal with waiting on the interstate for, you know, a possible semi that had flipped or whatever had happened, and I just figured, you know, wherever I go, I'll just find something to do, and once I pulled into the, the town, I realized I was in Lexington, and it didn't even cross my mind, I wasn't thinking of anything, you know, I just thought I'd get a hotel. And once I was in the hotel, I was seeing brochures that had horses on them. And I asked the guy in the hotel, I was like, what's there kind of to do around here? And he said this and that. And then I kept thinking horses, horses, because there were horses on the brochures. And my all these bells started going off in my head. And I was like, why does this ring a bell? And then I realized, oh, Lexington... And horses, um, this is where the preacher that I had written my capstone paper about, he preached at that time, like in 1801 or 1803, he had preached in this area. 
And then when I Googled it on my phone, his gravestone and the site that I wrote about in my paper um, was like 20 minutes from my hotel. And when you're at like, this was literally the lowest point of my whole life. When you're at the lowest point of your life and you're mysteriously led to the site that you wrote your paper about and your paper was about a preacher and what this preacher did and how it led to like emancipation and liberty it was a an eerie moment to say the least but it brought me like a lot of inspiration i was like well this is really happening you know it was like divine and divine intervention um and then the other situation that had happened and i ended up going to visit his site and everything and it was really beautiful um it was amazing um but the other situation that happened was like September, October of 2019. And again, this was a deacon, like a, a pastor of a church, and he had founded this church. And in my personal opinion, and I'm, you may think I sound nuts here, but in my personal opinion, if this guy, Elihu Wolcott, if he had not founded the church that he did, it was a congregational church in Jacksonville, Illinois in 1833, um, when he did that, he basically stuck a sword in the ground and he created a schism. And that schism was in his heart between right and wrong. And he created a church and he, he was told by his church leaders not to do it. Um, so his leaders in New England didn't think congregational churches, anything west of the Hudson River, wouldn't last in what was then Illinois. Illinois was not even 20 years old then. Um, but if you look at maps of America in 1833, that area was the West, and they didn't think that that type of church could survive. But when he did that, he defiantly created a church that was boldly anti-slavery, and he did it in an area that, that was not popular. Um, and when he did that, other congregational churches followed his lead and started being formed across America, like west of the Hudson River. And then um, in the 1850s, the same type of church up in Ripon, Wisconsin, started the Republican Party. That's where they first got their name. And that was the party of Abraham Lincoln, which would be the party that would play a huge role in emancipation. So both preachers I wrote about wrote about liberty is what they wrote about liberty and emancipation and freedom and and basically I wrote my papers about the power of Christ, um, the power of you know the Holy Spirit. And so when I was about to do this presentation about Elihu, um, uh, it was really weird because I was in the archives of the college I went to. And I already knew that um, there was a play done, and the play was the 100-year anniversary, and it was about the founding of the church that Elihu had started. And um, the guy who played Elihu in the play, and I'm not making this up, this guy, his name was Mr. Spink, like S-P-I-N-K, and Mr. Spink, I knew that name, and he played Elihu in the play, and I ended up calling my mom and I said, Mom, didn't Mr. Spink live in our house? And she was like, yeah, he lived in our house. And I was like, well, he played Elihu and now I'm doing a whole paper and a presentation about Elihu. I was like, what are the odds that two guys who live in the same house 
did this about the same guy. You know, it's like our focus is on the same guy. And I was like, this is weird. And then, you know, I, I summed it up for a while. It was weird. You know, it was coincidence. I really think it was divine inspiration. And what's even more weird, or divine intervention, what's even more weird is that when I told this story to a guy who listened to my speech, when I talked about Elihu, um, he said, um, I told him that Barton Stone, uh, my paper, my college capstone paper, was largely about the break from Calvinism. Um, when, I, when I talked about Barton Stone, and then when I was telling him about Elihu and the story about... Um, you know, this guy lived in our house and everything. He said, I bet that'll make you into a Calvinist. And I thought, well, that's, that's weird. You know, that, I mean, he's kind of right. You know, I, I wouldn't consider myself a Calvinist. Um, I don't even know what I consider myself at the time. But it was just kind of, you know, strange that these things were happening. Because um, Calvinists basically believe in predestination. Everything that happens is predestined. Um, like you can't, you can't have salvation unless divine intervention happens or like a miracle or something is shown to you and all these other things. And I'm not saying that, you know, that's exactly what this is for me, but it's just, it's very interesting. Um, so basically I, I've had this on my mind for like the past couple years, you know, how do I swallow this? You know, am I delusional? Um, you know, what does this mean? And when you hold on to it like that, it really, it can kind of fester and get to you and um, kind of go to your head. And so I, I was kind of tired of that. So the last few weeks I've been thinking, I want to reach out to somebody and talk to kind of like an advisor or, you know, not necessarily a preacher, but maybe like a therapist who has studied this type of stuff before. Um, and so I decided to look at the website of the church where I go to my Tuesday night meetings and my meetings is not a, they're not about church they're about we talk about kind of being a better listener and we talk about how our weeks went and it's just a support group to express how your week went and what struggles you have and that's all we do and it's just an hour and nobody provides feedback you just talk about how your week went and so it's very neutral and I like that um, and so I decided to go to their website and, um, I looked at their, like what times they meet on Sundays and things like that. And I didn't want to go on Sundays. I don't like going to church. I'm uncomfortable in church, but I saw that they do online services at 9am and that works out with my schedule. So I'm going to watch the 9am service. And then, and the reason why I wanted to do this podcast is, I saw that they have they had an online prayer request and I was like perfect you know so I I just said can you pray for me that I'm able to find balance for trying to understand these divine interventions and I even said in the prayer request you know I've tried to sum it up as a coincidence or you know as you know whatever and I said, I basically am just going to accept that it was divine intervention. These things were shown to me, you know, for whatever reason to bring me hope or to help me not lose faith. Because a lot of times I struggled with so much depression in my life. Um, 
and hopelessness is a big part of that. I think that a lot of people with complex PTSD struggle with hopelessness. And I think it goes back to that incompetence feeling because when you're hopeless and you also struggle with that incompetence, which really is just stress, being able the stress is blocking your brain from being able to focus well. Um, having something that's just out of your realm, like divine intervention, you know, to, just to feel like something like that could actually happen. It's almost like witnessing space aliens, you know, land in front of you and you're like, is this really happening? Like, that's how it really was for both of these situations. When I saw Mr. Spink's name on that list of people and he was playing Elihu and he lived in my house and my parents still live there, by the way, I just thought, no way. Like, this is weird, you know. Um, it was like I was, it was, it was divinely inspired that I talk about this guy. You know, that's how I, it was. It was strange. Um, but I, I just wanted to, I sent out that prayer request and it made me feel so good because I got it off my chest. It was a completely neutral person. Like, I have no idea who's actually going to read that prayer request, but I have a feeling whoever's going to read it is going to have the exact answer I'm needing. Um, so I just want to tell you something so simple as sending out a prayer request. Um, you know, just trying to ask someone, you know, just pray for me and help me find balance. All I want is balance. I don't want anyone to tell me, oh, you're being shown signs and something like that. I don't want, to, I don't want any of that. I just want them to sh tell me what kind of balance I can have with this. And I'm going to report back on here and tell you what they tell me too. Um, but anyway, if you are feeling hopeless out there, um, which I have, I would say tens of thousands of times I've been hopeless. Um, you know, I've talked about how I was in the hospital in my early 20s and I've sought treatment and counseling for years. And, you know, sometimes I have to remind myself I've been given this gift of having these two divine, these divine moments, you know, and I don't know that everybody has that. And it's, it's really special. It's really hard. It's really strange to talk about. And, you know, if this brings anybody any kind of comfort, I hope it does. And, you know, it's you know, like I put my focus on these two guys and, you know, what I think is the liberty of emancipation and, you know, the roles they played and the lead up to the American Civil War and Elihu putting his sword in the ground and creating the schism and following his heart and having the guts to do that. And by the way, I, I talked about Elihu in a video I mentioned a couple, like a week or two ago. Um, you can find it on YouTube where I talked to this local PBS guy and I think it's called Jacksonville Lovejoy Hall. And if you go to like the 17 minute mark, you can see a picture of Elihu. Um, and I talk about everything he did and how important I think he was, but I hope that this can bring people's, you know, just some hope. And if there's anything you're kind of scared to reach out about, you know, just once you find the right person and you will, um, just ask them, you know, just lay it out there and ask them. Um, and I'm so glad I saw that prayer request. Um, and I can't wait to see what answer I get back. That's all I wanted to share. I hope everybody has a good night. This is the Complex PTSD guy signing off.